Is Ochai Abaji going to be Desmond Bain, Norman Powell, or Reggie Bullock? Three comps for the young jazz star, plus multiple other things on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, how are you? It is the February 16th edition of Locked On Jazz. The fight, undeniable. Colin Sexton's hamstring is a bit disconcerting. Ochai Abaji is impressing people, while Walker Kessler stymies John Morant. Who are Juan Toscana Anderson and Damian Jones, and what did they mean for the stretch run of the season? Plus a look at that stretch run and what the Jazz have ahead. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen and welcome to All-Star Break Weekend. If you get a chance, in the spirit of the off-season or the break, feel free to give us a five-star review, subscribe, follow, and if you're on YouTube, hit that little bell. We do have, we're free on all platforms and we're on YouTube uh, where you can be a part of the Locked On Jazz group uh, and be a part of the group, be a part of all jazz fans around. Uh, The fight last night was pretty awesome. By the way, All-Star Weekend is here. Please take it in. So much work by so many people. Such a unique experience. Um... So pretty great. Uh, the uh, and and a bunch of my cohorts are at work already. Um, so the fight last night was pretty awesome. Jazz lose in Memphis, down twenty three, commit an incredible amount of turnovers. They lose Colin Sexton four minutes in. Lowry Markinen before the game um, did did not play. Um, you know. Like, I understand the confines by which the jazz season was defined by the outside media before the season started, that the jazz were going to be tanking. At at some point, by the way, 60 games into the NBA season, when the jazz have not shown a single sign of tanking on or off the court, we can probably stop looking at every move through that lens. Like, we can move on. We can grow up. Um, we, I don't mean like grow up like adolescence. Like, we can just progress. Like, Lowry Markinen has a sore knee. I said on the broadcast in New York, I think it was, that I didn't think Lowry was moving well. Um... I actually thought it looked like he had a back issue. He looked super stiff. Um, I watched, if you're at the arena, Will Hardy finished his press conference, went straight out onto the floor to watch Lowry with go through his pregame warm-up with Eric Phillips, our head of sports athlete performance, uh, with Lowry's masseuse, watched the whole workout, when Lowry was done, he kind of tried to avoid Will a little bit. Will patted the chair next to him and said, come sit down next to me. 
you watch the conversation. I have no idea what was said. I was across the gym, but I was doing my job. I was there. I was on site. And, and then they, that's when the decision was made that Lowry doesn't play. There was no, I got a bunch of people hitting me on this. Like, there was no tank to this. Lowry has an issue. If you watched the whole week, you could see it in the arena when you were watching him. And the Jazz did what, frankly, is the, the right thing to do, which is to decide that Lowry Markkinen's the franchise. He's got a sore knee and it is leading to issues. Like, don't play. Like, this is, this is a little bit where this whole entire discussion about load management and shortening the season and all these other things, like, it's not always the player, you know, oh, the modern player. No, no, it's actually the modern team who is investing hundreds of millions in these players and is then very cautious about when they play and when they don't. Most players will play every single game. So Rudy Gay did not go to shoot around. Rudy Gay is sick. And Lowry Markkinen had a sore knee that was noticeable throughout the trip and they sat him. At some point, 60 games in, I think we have to stop. Like, I mean, I guess you can do whatever you want, but like, I, or I could be stopping bothered by it when people hit me on it. Like, we're, we're not into some tank. Now, with that said, I am a little disconcerted by the Colin Sexton um, hamstring injury because Colin Sexton's been battling all season long off a fairly significant knee injury last year, and the whole purpose of the season was to get him out healthy and to have him have the knee and have his body right, and he's now hurt both hamstrings. Um. I'm going to, and last time he came back, remember, he came back and then he didn't feel quite right. And then he sat again. And so he played kind of a middle five games in there. But in a sense, he was out from December 9th until January 9th. Like he was gone for a month. Like I'm not entirely sure. I don't know anything. I haven't talked to any of our medical guys. But I'm not entirely sure we aren't like not going to, like if Colin, the goal on Colin is to get him healthy through this year. It's a super important year. Uh, Will Hardy at a press conference recently said, like the, the biggest thing with Colin is to get him through the year healthy. It was a noticeable comment when Will said it. So I do think that there's like, I don't know when we see Colin next. Like do we have a huge break in March after the road trip, but I, I almost suspect that we go on this 15 day road trip and we don't see Colin for this whole time. It, it won't be out of a tank. It'll be out of, that that's the right thing to do. Colin Sexton has proven he's a, he's an important person on this roster and that there's a role for him to play on this team that when it's good and he's a part of that. Um, so anyway, I just, you know, they go two and two on this road trip. They show incredible fight. Um, they may have found two more rotation players. Uh, when we had this discussion the other day on the show about whether or not the Jazz had a chance to be able to be a team that could make a little run here and be as good a team as they were prior to the trade, of Vanderbilt and Beasley because there were all sorts of kind of numbers that said that they might, and Conley, that they might be. You know, one of the things that I pointed out was I just didn't think so because they just didn't have 240 minutes of NBA minutes to play. Well, last night, ironically enough, with Lowry Markinen and uh, Colin Sexton out, the Jazz got closer last night to 240 minutes than they have been since the trades because Juan Toscana Anderson showed that his 25 minutes, and we'll dig into him a little bit more, are viable 240 minutes. And Damian Jones showed that if Walker Kessler is playing 32, I don't think there's any reason to believe Damian Jones couldn't play 
16 minutes behind Walker Kessler every night and be borderline like NBA rotation players. We we all love Doak. We're rooting for him every second. It's it's not coming together right now. Like he's just he's unfortunately just making a lot of plays. Whether he's you know drifting up like subtle plays where he drifts up too high and somebody drives by him, or just you know lack of balance when he's getting the ball so he's turning it over. Like it's just hard for him right now. Um, and, you know, last night was extreme. Three minutes minus 15 is really extreme. Otherwise, his plus minus has actually been pretty good. He's, you know, hasn't missed a shot yet. He's done a lot of things. He kind of gets in the flow and he gets better and better. But it might be that Damian Jones is your backup center and suddenly the Jazz have closer to 240 minutes um, the rest of the way. So I, I just want to, like, I, I heard that, like, again last night, um, both in the arena, both on Twitter, both a bunch of places. I just was like, come on, really? Like, we haven't made a um, trade yet that was a tank trade. Like Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt for a first round pick that's top four protected is trading Mike Conley, who's a wonderful human being who is on the downside of his career and, you know, has limited time left, but is still battling and is good and going to be good for Minnesota. Um, And Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, who are both, you know, rotation eight, nine players. I guess Vando started last night, which is great. Um, and Beasley started last night. So they kind of inserted them both into the starting lineup last night for the Lakers. I'll be, maybe that's how they're going to do it. Um, but they played 28 and 23 minutes last night. Like you go get three rotation players in the NBA for, and you get a first round draft pick with top four protection. You make that trade. Every trade the jazz have made so far are trades you should make re- kind of regardless if you're tanking or not. So I, I just, the narrative is getting a little old to me. Um, on that. The fight is what the story should be because every single night this team is showing just incredible, incredible fight. All right, I will get off my high horse because I had an interesting conversation with a scout last night who really liked Ochai Abaji, and I want to share it with you and get and um and take a look at, at who Ochai Abaji might be in his NBA career and what might be a, a tremendous find um for the Utah Jazz. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, so excited to have FanDuel as our sportsbook partner. They are the number one sportsbook in America. Download the FanDuel app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. And you are now using America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel. New customers get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Uh, All sorts of fun little things, player props, exclusive bets. Um, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance for a bigger payout and same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown, that's FanDuel.com slash lockdown to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official Sports betting partner of the NBA and the official sports book of Locked On. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, as well as on YouTube. And for your second listen, take in Locked On Sports Today, 22-minute sports recap of the whole day, everything going on in the sports world, all there for you. All right, so I was sitting with an NBA scout last night before the game, and um, it's interesting. He had watched Ochai's pregame warmup and was really convinced that this kid was going to be able to shoot it. And so I said, 
is he, and, and, and let's go back to something I've said this whole time about Ochai. And this is what I love about it. At 6'5", 210, or 6'5", 215, there's a million of them, right? So if we start searching NBA players by 6'5", 210, we have a million of them. Desmond Bain is 6'5", or 6'5", 215. Desmond Bain is 6'5", 215. Josh Green is 6'5", 200. Reggie Bullock uh, is a little, I think, a little taller and a little skinnier. He's 6'6", 205. Okay, there's like a million of these. Norman Powell, we can go down every roster, is 6'3", 215. There's a million of these. This is why Ochai is going to be fine. Because there's a million of these players in the NBA. And when there's a million of them, then you're going to be somewhere in there. So I was talking to Scout and he says, oh, this kid kid can really shoot it. Like he's going to really be able to shoot it. So I said to him, I said, is he really going to be able to shoot it? Like a Desmond Bain, or like a Norman Powell, or like a Reggie Bullock. Like we kind of got into this conversation. So Norman Powell is a career 39% three-point shooter. Desmond Bain is a career 43% three-point shooter and pretty much the best, like one of the five best shooters in the league. And then Reggie Bullock and, and is, is a 38% three-point shooter. So like let's say that Ochai ends up being a 38% three-point shooter. So that's a grand slam. You're 6'5". 210, 215, and you shoot 38% from three. You spend 15 years in the NBA. It's awesome. So who is he? And, you know, which one is he? So Reggie Bullock's a three and D, um, not a lot of handle, never goes to the free throw line, less than a free throw game his entire career kind of player. And Norman Powell's a guy who was a leading scorer at UCLA, rolled into a bunch of role, different roles, Played off the bench for the first part of his career. Then finally at 27, he got to start and suddenly jumped after averaging, you know, six, eight, nine points a game. Midway through his career, suddenly jumped up to to 19 or 20 points a game. He's now at 17 for the Clippers. And he's, you know, suddenly gone from going to the line one or two times a game to going to the line four or five times a game. And that's where his scoring suddenly jumped. And we talked about this yesterday, that Ochai just does, it does not go to the line yet. And then Desmond Bain goes to the free throw line. This is super impressive by Bain. One game, one time per game his rookie year, two times a game his sophomore year, and his junior his sophomore year. His second year and his third year, he's now going to the free throw line four times a game. He's a 90% free throw shooter, and he's up to 22 points a game. Like, he's great. 30th pick of the 2020 draft. Ouch. Um, so, you know, and again, I, I can go find a million other 6'5", 200-pound players. Like, there are just, it's the beauty of, of and that's good. Like, that's what you're trying to find is players that are like this, um, and it's why you draft that player. Um, and Ochai is, is great. So I thought this was a really interesting comment, um, and that was, the one thing that I think is interesting is the, the scout said to me, like, well, is he like Josh Green? I said, well, what's Josh Green like? He said, well, Josh Green grew up in Australia playing Australian rules football and loves contact and loves to bully into people and loves to play off contact and loves that. And I was like, oh, well, Ochai's really a soccer player. Ochai grew up playing soccer and played soccer till the final stages. And he kind of plays basketball like a soccer player right now. Like, he melds in, he plays in space, he plays where he's supposed to be, he's not dominating, he's not asserting himself on the game in some dramatic fashion um, while he's out there. And so it's an interesting question of whether Ocha, and he's just the nicest, most polite um, kid. I had just a super nice time talking to him yesterday. 
um, before the game. His dad's a city planner in Kansas City. His mom's a school teacher. His sister's um, was a great volleyball player at ten, at at um, University of Texas. He spent much of his childhood as the younger kid, traveling all across the country, following um, his sister and wherever he goes. His father's this kind of incredible story, um, where he's one of I think eight. I'm gonna look it up right now just to make sure I get it right. Um, he's one of eight or nine kids, and he's the uh, out of uh, Nigeria, and he's the only one um, who uh, is in the United States. Uh, he came to the U.S. to play junior college basketball in India, and the rest of his family is in Nigeria. He's still, he's the only one. Um, he and his his he meets his wife then at um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, after a JC. Um, Ochai developed late. He grew nine inches from his freshman year to his junior year, and that's when he then moved on from soccer. Um, but he does have, like, the track record. Um, you know, he scored 37 against Texas Tech last year. Like, there are games where suddenly his job is to put his um, is to put his kind of stamp on it, and I think it will evolve. Um, so the comment, actually, by the scout was that he'll maybe be somewhere between a Desmond Bain and a Norman Powell. Woo! That's pretty great. Um, that would be a huge, massive win for the Utah Jazz with that 14th pick. But I think it's clear that Ochai Abaji is a huge, massive win already. Um, last night was a really good game. Suddenly the, the game needed a little bit more out of him. So he goes into double figures for just the fourth time this season. Um, you know, I, I'm only concerned about the free throw thing if it lasts forever. Um, it's a problem. But right now you just, there are moments where you can see he drives the lane and he's looking to give it out kind of soccer-esque. And at some point he needs to take that same drive to the basket and assert his body onto the defender, take the contact and go to the rim um, with it and go all the way to the rim. And then you see that dunk last night uh, in the open court against John Morant. Ron Boone got on the plane last night and Ron Boone like was asking people like, can I see that? I need to see that. Like, I want to see that. Like, it was interesting. Like, there was something about that play to Ron Boone, who's 6'5", 210, by the way, um, that he saw that and understood there was some importance to what he had just seen. Um, so great to be around Ron all the time with things like that. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on it uh, with Ochai. He's right now 60% of his shots are threes. He's not a three-level scorer. He's not even only takes 24% of his shots at the rim. Like, we're going to see him evolve and develop more and more, and we're going to probably see that drip, drip, drip from Will Hardy that we talked about yesterday. The rest of the way. Walker Kessler had a really great game last night. Uh, Walker Kessler had to play drop big on John Morant, which is super hard under very specific. Uh, Lamar Skeeter had the scout, and there were very specific rules by which John, that Walker Kessler was supposed to perform last night. And he executed it. Um, he defended 23 shots last night. The Pelicans only made 10 of them. Uh, Jaw was 4 of 10 when Walker was the closest defender. Jaw went 2 of 9 at the rim for the night. And I actually am stunned that he got 9 shots at the rim. It did not feel to me like he got 9 shots at the rim last night. Um, it really felt as though he, the Jazz kept Jaw Morant outside the paint uh, for a good deal of the night. But his drives were there. Walker had built a wall. And the jaw was playing kind of in the floater zone all night long. And most importantly, didn't feel like he was, you know, attacking the rim um, and getting to the free throw. He got to the free throw on eight times, which is a good amount. But the, they were also, remember, this is a team that had 40 points off turnovers last night. It was in transition, a huge amount of the game. The, the, the Grizzlies have a flaw. They're not a good half-court team um, in the way that they play 
in the way that they play def- uh, half-court offense. It's a real problem for them. Last night, their offensive rating in the half-court was a .845. They were in transition 21% of the time, which is super high, off all the turnovers, and they averaged 1.5 points in transition. But the Jazz, when they kept them in the half-court last night, really did a great job and give Walker a huge amount of credit on that. It was pretty awesome. All right, um... Juan Toscana Anderson and Damian Jones. What did the Jazz just find last night? And then a look at the schedule the rest of the way. We'll do Ask LOJ tomorrow on the program. So I'll send out requests. Please send in your questions. Hashtag Ask LOJ. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Your second listen could be Locked on NBA Big Board. Raphael Barlow, Leaf Tuline, Sam Ferris, Richard Stamen. The whole crew covers the NBA draft and gets you ready as we are to probably start focusing on that conference championship time and all the rest uh, right now to start digging in on the NBA draft um, and everything that's taking place with it. So Juan Toscana Anderson and Damian Jones last night were great. Uh, And what Juan Toscana Anderson brought last night was a guy who has played at different points in his career. He started his career at 26. Um, His backstory is he's out of Oakland. It's why he wears number 96. Five because he grew up on 95th Street in Oakland. Uh, he was went to Marquette, and then out of Marquette, he goes and plays in Venezuela and Monterey, Mexico. He is Mexican. Um, his mom's Mexican. His dad is uh, black. And he then goes to a Santa Cruz Warriors tryout for the G League, makes the Santa Cruz Warriors through the tryout. From there gets picked up by the Warriors and ends up playing for the Warriors. Then he's on the Warrior team that was bad. So in 2021-22 is the year in which the, uh, or 2021 is the year in which the Warriors are not particularly good, if I'm right, if I've got my years right on the Warriors. Um, And he makes that team. Maybe it was... Uh, it might have been the 1920 team. I'd have to go back and look at it. Um, and he gets a bunch of time. He plays 13 games his first year, 53 his next year, and in 73 the year after last season, the championship team. He plays 73 games. He plays 14 minutes a game. You know, talking to Will Hardy about him, Will said, well, I've studied him because last year when we played him in the NBA Finals, I'd studied him a lot. He's a bona fide good defensive player who's tough. The other thing is he's played in systems, i.e. Steve Kerr's, like the jazz. So he knows how to make 0.5 decisions and get off the ball really quickly. So, and the funniest part of the night was Sarah Todd asked him, asked Will Hardy in the presser about the fact that Juan Toscan Anderson said that he had, the minute he got traded, he reached out to the coaching staff and said, Hey, can you send me the video playbook? And, and like, what does that say about him? And Will just kind of said, it means he was kissing our ass. And it was hysterical. And then he said, Hey, it means it's great, but it was like pretty funny. Um, so fine. Like basically Will's next point was it's pretty smart to kiss our ass too. Cause like he wants to play and he wants to get a career. He's not a high volume three point shooter. He takes, you know, one or two a game. He was not good this year in LA, but prior to this year in LA, he, he shot in his, in his kind of, he hasn't taken enough, right? You, you need 750 to really know who you are. So let's take his two kind of middle years with the Warriors. Um, and, and figure, you know, say that's his kind of number, is he ended up um, shooting in those 36%. So he's league average. That's terrific. You know, I don't know 
whose minutes he takes, but we've got some guys that Rudy Gay primarily who have been playing minutes who are not shooting the league average from three. Now, Rudy Gay is a much bigger player. He's 6'8", 250, and plays a different position. But, you know, Rudy's shooting 24% from three so far this year. If Juan Toscana-Anderson can help play some of those moments or even, you know, some of the Simone minutes um, that we have right now, those guys are shooting 32 and 25% from three. And if he can shoot 36, that's an upgrade for us, three-point shooting. And then he's a better, uh, more physical defensive player than both those guys. So I think there's a real chance when we come back from break that we see some Juan Toscana-Anderson playing and it solidifies our 240 minutes. The one that was most interesting in the game was Damian Jones. And Damian Jones is this interesting player. He played three years at Vanderbilt, super young, like he's the opposite of what every other parent was that they held their kid back. He actually skipped a grade and was really young. And, and at Vandy, he was a college player who was, you know, he was fine. Um, he averaged about 14 points and seven rebounds. And he came into the draft with this incredible athleticism, incredible body, and like lacking some aspects. And that's kind of been his NBA career. Like he gets drafted by the Warriors, 30th pick of the 2016 draft. Same thing though, by playing three years with the Warriors, he has an understanding of like how to play jazz basketball what they want. He then goes to Atlanta where he played a lot. He started 27 games. He played he he played 55. He played 16 minutes a night. He was pretty viable. Um, and then in 2021, he goes to Phoenix. And midway through the year, he gets moved to LA or released. And he, he just starts onto this kind of weird cycle for that 2021 season, which is the COVID year, I think. No, that's the year after the COVID year, where he's just bouncing around, right? So he plays 14 for Phoenix and 8 for LA and then 17 for Sacramento. So that's kind of a wasted, weird year. And then last year, he plays 56 games in Sacramento and starts 15 and plays 18 minutes a night. Um, he actually kind of almost adds a three-point shot. Last, he goes 10 of 29 from three. So here's another guy who's viably played you know, minutes. They're not going to suddenly become like stars or anything, but viable NBA minutes. He's on three different occasions kind of for an entire season of his career average in, you know, really for two in 55 games in Atlanta, he, he averaged 16 minutes a night. And for 56 games in Sacramento, he averaged 18 minutes a night. Um, you know, he's not, he's obviously bouncing around and he's never done anything that's so great that they end up deciding like, I have to have him back. Um, but he's done a nice job and he, you know, he, he has an interesting one for the jazz is he has another year on his contract. So he has a player option for 2.5 next year, which means he'll pick it up. Actually dope. Doesn't right. So in the standpoint of like, which one of these two players could help you next year and you want to develop, I think Damian Jones actually might be that player a little bit more than dope because dope's not under contract for next year. And I'm assuming that Damian Jones is going to pick up his option. And he's, he really ran the floor well last night. He's a really good athlete. Um, he did some nice things defensively. You can switch him out on the floor. You really can't switch Doak on the floor right now. Um, and uh, he was he was super. Um, and I suspect coming back from break, we'll see him on the floor um, and and can and getting some time. Uh, and those two things solidify the Jazz for this home stretch. The home stretch is interesting. I looked at the schedule tonight today. So we play of our final 20 games we play six games against really high level opponents where if you if we wanted it'd be really surprising we play four games against teams that are kind of in the tank so sacramento or san antonio and charlotte we don't play houston we don't play detroit um, orlando's not in the tank orlando actually i think is going to make like a little run to try to make a playing game here um if you look at the sta- projected standings 538 has the 10th seed with 40 wins. 
Basketball reference has the 10th seed with 41 wins. 538 has the Jazz one win off at 39, not getting in. And basketball reference has the Jazz at 40, not getting in. What gets interesting to me on this is a little bit the Lakers. The Jazz closed the season playing the Lakers on April 4th and the Lakers on April 9th, the last game of the season, and the Nuggets on April 8th. Every projection system has the Nuggets winning by four or five games in the Western Conference. The Nuggets very well may not be playing their guys on April 8th for the Jazz. So that could suddenly, if you're in a one-game thing, that could really swing things. The Lakers are super interesting to me. Like, I don't know if they're clicking in. They look way better. A lot of aspects of them look like a better basketball team than when I've looked at them. They did pull off a nice win last night, 120-102. Like, the assumption is that they're going to click in here. Um, However, um, if for some reason Anthony Davis gets hurt again or LeBron James doesn't click in or something... And they don't, like, and they're not playing those final games. Interesting. The other one is those final two, four games against the Lakers might be for the playoffs or to get into the play-in. How fun is that? And the Thunder game on the sixth could be as well. So really going to be a fun final 20 games. In the meantime, enjoy All-Star Weekend. We'll be back with you tomorrow with Ask LOJ. Thanks so much for tuning in to Lockdown Jazz. I don't think I'll bring anything to you until next week, by the way, till Thursday, just to kind of give you a heads up on that. I think I will go take some time. Uh, It is Locked on Jazz. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much for tuning in. It is your team every day.